morning, Journey. Good to see you guys. That was a good one. I like that. Thanks for saying good morning back. 10 a.m. didn't say anything back and it hurt my feelings. It was, it was all downhill from there. Um, really, though, I'm, I, it's, it's so fun to be to get God. Is that mine? I got it? Okay. Whew. That was close. Who knows what God was saying there? But really, I'm glad we're together. Uh, it's, it's always an honor just to, to stand up here and look out and see all of your faces because you guys don't all get to see that in the same way. And, and, I, and I just, I want you to know that there are people all around us right now just expectant, believing that God wants to speak to us as individuals, as a community. And I just, I don't want that to be lost on us that we get to come together and, and be those people together. So it's a gift. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. And, and we're gonna jump in to our text this morning. We're in the midst of a series that we're calling Upside Down. And the premise of this series is we're moving through this teaching of Jesus, often known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're nearing the end of his teaching, known as the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew 7 here. And the idea is that all of these things that Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount often end up upside down. It's not what we thought it would be. It doesn't happen the way we thought it would. The people that we thought were, were blessed are maybe not who we thought they were. The things Jesus asks us to do seem upside down to the way we would assume we should do them. And so he's always challenging us to live as these kingdom people, these followers who embrace this upside down way of living. And I think today's teaching is actually no different. Jesus is gonna speak to us in Matthew 7, verses one through six. So I'm gonna read that for us. And then we're gonna pray and we're gonna invite the spirit to teach us and guide us. And we'll see where that takes us. That sound good with everybody? So it's not a good plan, huh? It's a pretty typical sermon plan, but still a good one. Here's what Jesus has to say, Matthew 7, verse one. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Let's pray. God, again, we just thank you for the gift of being able to come together as your family. We know, God, that you are already here. You are already present among us. And so we invite you by your spirit to teach us, to shape us, to mold us, to form us into the image of your son, Jesus. I pray that we would wrestle honestly this morning with our propensity to judge the log in our own eye or what it might mean to help our friend with their speck. We know that you want to speak to us and so we invite you to do that. God, I pray for myself this morning. As always, I pray that you would give me your words to speak, words that are for you and from you words that make much of you. And so God, I pray that all of our time together here this morning would honor you and make much of you, that we would receive the beautiful truth that we are loved by you and we would continue to strive to love you in return. We pray these things in your name, amen. There's this story of one of the early desert fathers. His name's Abba John. And he said this to his monks who were gathered with him. He said, why don't you throw off the heavy burden and take the light burden. 
And the puzzled monks looked at one another and then they asked, well, what is the heavy burden and what is the light burden? And Abba John replied to them, the heavy burden is judging other people and the light burden is accepting the judgment of others. He went on and he said, judging others is a heavy load. Why not let it go? Being judged by others is a relatively light load. Why worry about it? He said, often I've asked myself, what would it be like if I no longer had any desire to judge another or to be controlled by the judgment of others? I would walk on this earth as a very light person indeed. And I don't know about you, but I want to walk on this earth as a very light person indeed. And so all of this begs the question then, as we look at Jesus's teaching, what is Jesus really talking about? Like, why, why is he telling us not to judge? Or what does it even mean to judge? And how do his words fall on the ears of his disciples? And how do they fall on the ears of the crowd? Because if you remember, Jesus has climbed up on this mountain and he sat down to teach. And those who first gathered at his feet are his followers, his disciples, those who have surrendered everything to follow him. They've given up their lives to be with him. And they're here at his feet. And then pressing in behind the disciples are the crowds of people we read about. And they're interested. There's something different about this person in the way he teaches and what he's asking them to do. And so they lean in, intently looking for what it might mean themselves to follow this teacher. And so when we hear the words that Jesus is teaching today, we're one of those people. We are disciples who have gathered at the feet of Jesus to be taught and formed and shaped and challenged. Or we're the crowd listening in, trying to figure out what this might mean, what's going on here. And so you get to decide where it is you're sitting in all of that this morning. But that will influence the way in which you hear these words. So at the outset of navigating this portion of scripture, I wanna caution us as Scott McKnight does, that we must learn, as we're about to look here, to distinguish between moral discernment and personal condemnation or judgment. These two things are always different and Jesus is not speaking strictly one set of terms. And so that'll make a little more sense here in a moment because I wanna first read again the first couple verses that Jesus speaks. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And so upon first hearing that, we all immediately go, yeah, don't judge, right? Like it's, a, it's become a colloquial thing. You can't judge me. That's what we say to people, right? Don't judge me, you can't judge me. Often that happens too in these t- contexts in which one person's a follower of Jesus talking to someone who's not. And they'll be like, you, no, you can't judge me. Don't judge me. It says that in your Bible. We're like, oh, okay. You, like it goes back and forth like that. It's become a thing that we say. And yet there's this famous poet, Tupac Shakur, who he, he said it just right. He had it down, right? And his, his saying was that only God can judge me. And that's the premise that Jesus is trying to make us pay attention to. He's essentially saying that when we judge, we are covering ourselves with grace repellent. It's this idea that when we're in place of judgment, we spray ourselves down in a way in which we now can no longer receive the grace of God. 
We've blocked it, it's gotten in the way. And so the challenge that he's issuing is that we are in fact to conclude this is wrong or this is good. That's okay, that's the moral discernment. But we aren't to pronounce you are condemned by God. You see the difference there. Certainly Jesus is not against calling out that which is wrong or that which is good. His whole ministry is doing that. This is good, that's not. This is good, that's not. He's doing that for sure. But it's when we put ourselves in the place of God. Maybe you can understand it better if I say it like this. This is how Scott McKnight breaks it down. He says, do not condemn or you too will be condemned by God at the judgment. He says, without this nuanced difference, between moral discernment and condemnation, we run the risk of two things. One, we run the risk of becoming silent on moral judgment. When Jesus says, do not judge, he does not intend for us to be silent on that which is wrong or terrible or hurtful. We don't just stand back and watch some form of destruction and go, I can't judge. That's not what he's asking. And then the other risk we run if we don't differentiate, is we miss the powerful warning that Jesus is giving us about assuming that we are God. He's not asking us to act like God. It's fitting that James, you might've heard of James, he's the brother of Jesus. He has a, a book in the New Testament and, and James got this teaching. He had heard this and he brings it to light in his own unique way in chapter four, verses 11 through 12. You can look at that later. But what he does is he warns his readers that when they begin to judge others, they are now assuming the posture of God, not the posture of humanity. And in assuming that posture, what they have done is they've usurped the role of God and began to be the ones who determine what is right and what is wrong and who is right and who is wrong. Jesus is saying that is not, our place. That's why he's warning us, do not judge others. But if that just sounds too simple or like a bunch of gibberish so far, then Jesus paints for us this hilarious picture. Here's what he does in verse three. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And I want to stop you right there, right? Like, Think about this. You've probably heard this before on some level, right? The idea you have a log in your eye. So I just want you to envision it playing out. Like imagine a log in your eye, like a telephone pole in, coming out of your face. Like that's what he's talking about, right? Like I couldn't do the, the prop. It was just too much. I couldn't have held it. It would have been too much to carry around. It would have been dangerous. So imagine this happening because Jesus is intentionally painting a hilarious picture to make a point. So he says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? He's so serious, in fact, that in verse five, he says, hypocrite, with an exclamation point. He says, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So check this, like I really want you to hear this this morning because I think it flips upside down what we've often thought is meant by don't judge and you got a log in your eye, okay? I, I think this is, this, this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying no one can ever help their friend remove a speck. That's not what he's saying. 
He's saying rather, we need friends who have done the very, very hard work of log removal so that they can deal with the speck in our eyes in the context of wholeness and in a healthy manner. That's what we need. That's what he's saying, right? Like it's so different than the way I think we've often thought about it, right? Well, it's just the first level is like, you can't judge. Don't judge me. You don't know. And then the second level is like, well, I can't do anything about it because I'm walking around with the log in my eye. So I guess we've all got logs, which is, if you think about that, if that's true, if we did all have logs, that is a dangerous community, right? Like just swinging logs around. Like I wanted to maybe bring up, you know, like 10 people and give them all a giant log and have them like walk around for a bit, but that seemed a bit over the top. So just envision it, okay? Envision everybody walking around with logs in their eyes. Certainly those people cannot help one another find a tiny speck. So Jesus says this, he says, we are the ones who must initiate the log removal. Other people cannot remove your log. It involves you acknowledging the need for the log to be removed and who's the only one who can remove the log? God himself, right? He's the one who pulls it out at the root so that you can see. So step one, Jesus says, first, you gotta get rid of the log in your own eye. This requires a certain type of self-examination and acknowledgement that God is in fact the only one who can remove the log. And until you've done the hard work and the self-examination and inviting God into that to remove that log, you are in no place to be the kind of person to help anybody with anything else. Wow. So then the next step is that Jesus says, now with your log removed, you are in fact the type of person who can help your friend with their speck. Why? Because you've already humbly received the healing grace of God. You are the one to be trusted now. Because I don't know if you've ever had a speck in your eye. Anybody? Okay, yeah, we can relate. Just a thing in your eye, and you're like, that's not fun, right? And it's like itching, and you, you can kind of see, right? It's not debilitating like a log, but it's not comfortable or something's missing. And you need someone to come in close and help you with that speck. Now imagine that playing out. You need someone that you trust enough, that is humble enough, that you'll let get close enough to come in, separate your eyelids, and tap your eyeball. That's the kind of community that Jesus is saying we need. We need people who've done the hard work of acknowledging that only God can judge me, right? Only God can remove the log. And when that happens, we are now in the place, humbled by the grace of God in which we can draw near to one another, spread our eyelids apart and tap each other's eyeballs so that we can all see as God intends for us to see. It's a beautiful picture that Jesus is painting for his followers. So imagine now you're the disciples at his feet and you hear that message. And you're like, this is what we are intended to be as a community. And then there's these other people listening in and they're going, man, that sounds like a whole nother way of living than I'm used to living. And so it is that Jesus is saying to be transformed, we must first let God in so that he can cast out our sin, heal us, forgive us, make us whole, give us new eyes to see, take it out at the root. 
But in order for that to happen, it requires rigorous self-examination because God's the one who judges. But what's interesting about that log removal idea, right, that Jesus says should take place first, is that God's judgment in that case isn't angry. It's not, it's not like ferocious. He's not mad at you. He longs to get rid of the log, sure, and that might hurt a bit because it's rooted deep in your eye. But he does it because he loves you. That it's out of love and grace and gentleness and tenderness that he wants to remove that log so that you might be that kind of person with others. The process might be hard, but God's intent is that he loves you and he longs for you to be made whole and to see fully and to be saved into a community of people in which you do that together. So that begs the question, how do you get rid of the log in your own eye? First thing I think you do, there's lots of probably options here. These aren't like the go-to four ways or whatever, right? But I think the first thing is, is the posture of telling the truth. Be honest with yourself. Do you have a log in your eye? The first thing you do is say, yeah, if you do, you tell the truth, you be honest about it. And then the next thing you do is you ask for help, which is fitting because the verses that follow these verses, verses seven through 11 in Matthew seven, are all about asking, seeking and knocking so that God might give you what it is you really need. You need the help, you ask for it. And when you ask for help, you remember that it's Jesus who heals, the one who has no speck, the one who has no log. So he can interact with you with just all of the fine-tuned attention that you need to be made whole. He knows exactly what you need. And he wants to do it for you. And then the last idea is that this isn't just about being like modifying our behavior. It's not just changing something. It's about something being taken out at the root. Log removal, not sawing off the end. He wants to take the whole thing out. He wants to change you completely. He wants to make you whole and new and give you a new set of eyes so you can see. What a beautiful picture of what God wants to do. And then so he lays all this out in verses one through five and then we get to verse six. Check this out. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. What? How did we get here? Right? Like what? What is going on here? So the, the, the word unholy, right? Like don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy is, is translating a word that actually means dogs. So we've got dogs and pigs and attacking and pearls. And I'll tell you what, many, 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 many people for many, 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 many years have studied, researched, looked at this, this verse in particular. And all of these people are smarter than me I'm assuming smarter than you. It's not a knock on you, but probably that too. And guess what? Disagreements across the board at what's going on in this verse. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna tell you anything at all because I think it's gonna distract from what Jesus is getting at 
in our particular context at this particular time in the life of our church, I think we need to hear what's going on in verses one through five and giving you a bunch of ideas about pigs and dogs and pearls and attacks isn't gonna be helpful. So I will not be quelling your curiosity this morning and I'm sorry about that. Send me an email. Yeah, or not. So as I think about this, this, this idea of not judging, of log removal and attending to another's speck. I'm always thinking of this one story and it's a story you're likely familiar with. It's in the gospel of John. And there's this interaction in the gospel of John. It's got a famous name, this story. But I'm gonna give it a new name. It's often known as the woman who got caught in adultery. But I like to refer to this story as the men who got caught carrying rocks. And what happens is these men, they find this woman who's committing adultery. She's sleeping with a man who's not her husband. And they decide that the woman is going to go before Jesus. They leave the man behind, which isn't how it's supposed to work. They take the woman to Jesus and they set her before Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, the law says this woman needs to be stoned. What say you, rabbi, who claims to be the son of God? He looks at them, all kinds of brilliant things running through his head and he kneels down and he draws in the sand. He's drawn in the sand. I'd imagine he's drawing a giant log with an arrow pointing, but I don't know. We don't know what he's actually drawing in the sand, okay? Don't quote me on that. And as he's sitting there, you can imagine the scene they're still clamoring. These, all, these men are all holding rocks ready to stone this woman. It is an intense scene and Jesus is still drawing in the sand. And so he looks up from his drawing and he says, well, here's what I say. Any one of you who is without sin, will you throw the first stone? And he looks at them. I'd imagine each one in their log-shaped eye and he's back down, drawn in the ground, a whole pile of logs or whatever he's doing. And he keeps drawing. And as he's drawing, each one of the men who got caught carrying a rock drops it. And one by one, they turn around and go away. And I like to believe that what happened in that moment is they became aware of the log in their own eye and they turned around and dropped the rock and they went to go deal with the removal of that log. It's a hopeful reading of the story for sure, but we actually don't know. And so they're gone, hopefully dealing with the removal of their log. And yet we still have this woman tossed on the ground in front of Jesus. And so he looks up from his log drawing and he says to her, do any of them, Condemn you? She looks around. No, apparently not. And Jesus, the same one who just taught us as he taught us, says to this woman, well, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's as if Jesus took the time with her to identify a speck. We don't know the whole story. We don't know all the things that was happening but he doesn't condemn her. He says, go and live a new life. I've seen you for who you can be. He sends her on her way. And I just think it's this picture 
of what Jesus intends for us to do in the midst of our own interactions in community. To see people in the same way that Jesus sees them. And so I think, what if we actually all lived this way? Free of logs in our eyes, free of judgment, and instead humbly acknowledging and removing one another's specks so that we all might see this upside down kingdom the way Jesus intends for us to see it. Like, what would that do for our community, for our church family, but then for all of the places in which we interact? As people look in on such a community as that, they're amazed with which the tenderness and patience and humility we all interact with one another. I want in on that, they'd say, because you know what the rest of the world is not doing? Leaning in close, spreading each other's eyelids and tapping eyeballs. That's an upside down kingdom. That's an upside down community of followers of Jesus. And so as we close, I want, I want God to get the last word on you for that. I want him to speak. And there might be two spectrums here. You might for the first time or maybe for a hundredth time be acknowledging the fact that you need that log removed. And so come humbly before God and invite him to remove it. Be brief, but be blunt, tell the truth and then let it be gone. You don't have to dwell and linger in it. Just call forth God to come and remove it and he will do that in an instant. Or maybe the log's already been removed and you need to begin asking God to bring to you godly people to help you remove the speck in your eye who would also invite you to remove the speck in theirs so that you would be surrounded by such a community as that. And so just invite the spirit of God to speak to you. The spirit of God who makes us humble, we come before God that way and we'll let him have the last word as you spend that time with him. Take it slow. I'll lead us into communion here in a minute or so. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're here humbly in this moment, acknowledging that you are a merciful God. You're a loving God. We invite you to do the hard work in our lives of removing the log from our eyes. pray that as individuals, we pray that as a community of people. Heal us and make us whole and give us new eyes to see. We know stories, God, of your son Jesus over and over and over again, giving new sight. Of touching the eyes of those who cannot see. Of healing hearts. So we invite you to do that. And God, we also invite you to surround each of us with the types of friendships and relationships in which 
we have those who can draw near to us, come close and remove the tiny specks to keep us from seeing fully as you intend for us to see. Surround us with that type of community. I pray that we would boldly go and get it if we need to get it, boldly receive it if we need to receive it. But I pray that we would embrace this reality that your son Jesus is teaching us, that in those communities, there is no place for judgment, but that instead we would be humble friends who remove specks. And as we do that, God, just as your son Jesus taught at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, when he called us the light of the world, I pray that we would, we would exist like this city on a hill, that we would shine bright as we interact with one another in such a way that everyone around us would not just see us, but they would see you and the good works that you do and the type of life you long for them to live. And that then they too would be ushered in to this community, logs being removed and eyes being opened. God, would you get the glory? Would you be made known as we continue to humbly follow your son, Jesus, your son, Jesus, who showed us the way to live, who showed us what love looked like fleshed out. We thank you that your son, Jesus, died on a cross to save us and make us new, to heal us. We thank you that your son, Jesus, did not stay dead, but that your spirit raised him to new life. And that same spirit now lives in us and empowers us to go and be the people you've called us to be. Again, may we shine bright so that everyone might see you. We love you so much, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.